in for a penny. That challenges popular opinions about movies. I'm Brandon Sharp. I'm Zach Smith Michaels. And I'm Mitch Dupree. And tonight we're discussing a mystery most sinister and asking how do we pull the knives out of the whodunit genre? Zach, why don't you give us the synopsis for Knives Out? Holland Thromby is the king of the crime novel empire. After his mysterious murder, Harlan's family embark on a cutthroat mission to uncover his killer and procure the keys to the kingdom. So I want to get this episode started off talking about our favorite movie twists. One of the best parts of a whodunit movie is the twist or the payoff. So what are some of your guys' favorite movie twists? And we dropped the question on Facebook. James Eller says seven. After you left. I tried to play husband. I tried to taste the life of a simple man. It didn't work out. So, I took a souvenir. What's in the box? Yeah, I saw that one going. I love Seven. (laughs) I love Seven, too. I don't even know if I would consider that a, a twist. Not to jump in right away, but I mean, what's the plot twist? That he murders Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah, because it's not like foreshadowed that he's going to do that or anything. It's not I don't remember anything about Gwyneth Paltrow. I just remember that line, what's in the box? You know what I mean? Yeah, like the cool thing is that uh, Kevin Spacey in the movie is like the seventh sin, you know? Right, yeah. That's, I think that's like a cool little thing. I don't know if I would consider it a twist necessarily. I feel like a twist would be like, hey, guess what? Morgan Freeman was the bad guy all along. Yes. Well, that's a twist. Right. You know, yes. like, oh. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a bit of a twist. I think it's pretty depressing. So It's twisty? It's it's mm. something. It's definitely a, a head fake or I don't know. I can see what he's saying there. It's a curly sure. fry. There we go. <laughs> well, Zach, <laughs> Zach, you participated this week. Thank you for commenting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah finally and you, and you said uh, and you my said, podcast harry i've reached the top primal fear well good for you marty i was gonna let it go you was looking so happy just now i was thinking mm-hmm. but to tell you the truth i'm glad you figured it so this is a discussion that i've had with mitch One of the things I really like about Primal Fear is that the filmmakers seemed to know that there would be buzz about the movie and that they keep saying, like, there's a plot twist you're not going to believe. Like, that audiences would kind of, like, tell each other about, oh, there's a plot twist that you won't see coming. And the thing I like about the movie, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's Ed Norton is, like, accused of killing a priest who abused him, like, as a child. And he's saying, I didn't. I, I didn't. And it's eventually, like, the plot twist, you think it's that he has a split personality and that, you know, he split and murdered the guy. And then in, like, literally the last minute of the movie, it turns out he was pretending to have a split personality the whole time. He's a totally different character. Right. So it's a plot twist that I really like. 
But at the same time, if you didn't have that plot twist at the end, you would still have a really good movie. So that's that's kind of my I don't love it when the plot twist makes a bad movie good. You know what I mean? Yeah. But on the flip side, I don't like it when a plot twist is inconsequential. Sure. I mean, sure. Like this. This wasn't necessary. This was ornamental. So it's kind of a give and take. There's both. Both are good. I. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do like that one because, again, the movie's still good, and I think the plot twist is, like, pretty unique, and it leaves Richard Gere in a spot of, like, I just was able to prove that this man was innocent, and now that's all built on a lie. It gives you something to think about at the end, but it doesn't really change the movie that much either. So, I I like the twist, but I also could understand people who wouldn't be into it. It's been a long while since I've seen this movie. I remember loving it, though. It's, I it's have seen good. The Hulk with Ed Norton, so... Oh, well, that's oh, the so same. You've, you've the basically greatest, seen it. The greatest twist of all, Ed Norton's career. And the <laughs> trajectory it's taken. <laughs> Kayla Fanov, Sixth Sense. I see dead people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mic drop. Yes. Maybe, yeah. maybe my favorite. I mean, that's a yeah. darn yeah. good answer. Uh-huh. It is. And when you rewatch that movie, there's no cheating in it with the plot twist. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the key for me is the fact that the movie's still rewatchable. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, th- I think the movie's just as good the second time, the third time. You know, I, I love that movie. And if a plot twist then takes me out of any future rewatches, I think it kind of takes mm. it down a few pegs in my mind. And I think that's the thing we'll talk about in this episode a little bit is a lot of movies aren't as fun for me to rewatch when I know the plot twist. It's kind of those real special ones that make me want to revisit. Like, you know, with your classic yeah. whodunits, once you know who done it, like, I don't really want to. It's not as fun to revisit all the time. But yeah. Sixth Sense is one that, like, is even better, I think, upon rewatch. Here's what it is. It's sometimes the writers and the directors will bend the rules of the world to pull the wool over our eyes in the movie. Like they're like cheat. That's what you mean by cheating, right? They're like, right. Characters act in ways we wouldn't believe, or they're put into situations that don't quite make sense. So a piece of information is obscured from the audience. That is not the case in a movie like Sixth Sense. You can watch it believing he's a ghost. You can watch it believing he's a person Mm -hmm. and it works just fine either way. You know, like that's a darn good interior logic Well, I remember the first time I watched Sixth Sense, the scene where they have the anniversary where his wife is like eating dinner at the restaurant and he comes and sits down and talks to her. And then she just gets up and walk out and walks out. I was like, what a garbage scene. Her acting was so bad. She like no chemistry between these two, like so wooden. And then when you rewatch it, you're like, because he's not there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And the point being like they had an estranged marriage from Bruce Willis Bruce exactly. Willis's perspective. So yeah, it still lands, so yeah. I feel like they yeah. set it up in such a way that made that scene believable, at least to me. Mm-hmm. Well, it was believable, but I was like, this feels a little off. And then on rewatch, it's like, it's supposed to be a little off. I think yeah. rewatch it now, because I watched it when I was younger too. And I think maybe I just, you know, I hadn't been in a relationship that way. Like I, I can see <laughs> that scene playing out. I don't know. No, rewatching it now, it's, it is totally what you were saying. But I do remember the first time where like he just walks in, she stands up, leaves. Yeah. I was like, that that felt weird. And you mm-hmm. know, it's again that's the point yeah and i'm not denying that yeah i think there's mm-hmm. an intentional like oh okay yeah side note scariest scene in any movie ever is in sixth sense when the little girl is in the tent and she mm. vomits oh. <laughs> mm. oh. that's, that's, that just is gross okay continue yeah. with the podcast i mean that ranks up there with the twins in the shining for me i mean that's 
Easy. That, Easily. Mess, that messed me up real good. <laughs> yes. Ooh. Well, Tyler Smith said Fight Club. Say it. Because we're the same person. That's right. We- <laughs> There's another great. <laughs> Bitch, I'm sorry that I'm not raw raw for Fight Club. Whoa. You don't have to be. Oh, I like gracious. that plot twist. Yeah, it's uh, fun. Well, I like yeah, Fight no, Club. No, it's a good one. No, it's, a, it's like a great twist. twist. It's yes. a great twist. Yeah, it's a great I love, twist. Uh, to go back to our episode on it, Mitch, I loved how you said like, it's super like it's almost silly that we don't realize that they're the same person like before yeah. you realize the plot twist because it's so like it's like, heavy just, handed it's heavy it's, it's heavy yeah yeah mm-hmm. but it's so also an I'm, unbelievable plot twist like the first movie you would never think like oh are they the same person does he have dissociative fugue oh <laughs> yeah maybe Knives Out boasts a stellar ensemble of actors. Why are ensemble casts so effective? And who really stands out to you in this cast? Well, first of all, I'm going to poke at that question. It's a good one. But I don't think ensemble casts are always effective. I think they're they're tricky to pull off. Like every Christmas, I feel like there's a movie where it's like, we got Tina Fey and Steve Carell and ryan gosling and like like just like tons of different people sure they're, they're, is this they're just yeah. like shoving uh, actors i like in a, in a movie and i'm like this is gonna be great and then i'm always really mm. disappointed so it, it's weird to me that a movie like knives out does play so well you know it's a delicate casting thing i think we've definitely seen some ensemble casts really just ride a movie off the rails absolutely it's there's been mm-hmm. some disasters but, you know, there's been some huge successes like an Ocean's Eleven, and there are times yeah. when it really does work. I mean, I think this is a great time to, like, point to the directing mm-hmm. in the movie and how well a director works with the larger casts. I think mm-hmm. I would liken it to the coach of, like, the Yankees or something. You know, he's got all these huge personalities, all these big incomes, and it really takes a certain manager to be able to manage these, like, big, huge personalities. Ah, yes. Brandon bringing in the sports Mm -hmm. audience. It's it's October. It's baseball season. So (laughs) sports analogies. (laughs) Let's even talk about, uh, because I was thinking about this a little bit, the cast and kind of the main four people in Mm -hmm. the family, which is Jamie Lee Curtis, who is famous for Mm. Halloween and horror movies. You know, so already when we see her, there's like, you know, a, a level of mistrust Almost whether you expect it or not, but you're like, ooh, I know her from being in spooky stuff. You have Don Johnson, who has like a reputation for being like a playboy and kind of like, you know, a bit sleazy. So we, we're kind of like seeing him when we go, ooh, I don't I don't know about this guy. loud mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have Tony Collette, who's just done Hereditary. So you're just kind of like, ooh, 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 ooh. Michael Shannon, who's insane. But then you have Chris Evans, yep. Captain America himself. So I think it's cast to kind of, you know mess with your expectations yeah i i think it's smart casting when they can anticipate what roles we think these actors are going to be fulfilling within the movie and then subvert that like even upon rewatch i don't want chris evans to be the bad guy and i love Mm -hmm. how fun how much fun he has with it but you're just like well you're you're captain you know you're right you're you're mr america Mm -hmm. we like you chris Mm -hmm. so i also think there's like you know it's the same reason things like snl 
work really well or like different acting mm-hmm. troops. I feel like greatness breeds greatness. And, mm-hmm. you know, the sum of the parts is greater than the individual. Also, I feel like with all of the different personalities and character traits, there's something for everyone in the audience to mm-hmm. connect with. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, maybe your thing's not Captain America, you know, so, yeah. but you, but you love like, you know, you love Michael Shannon or something. I just think the different personalities are going to appeal to a wider <laughs> audience. I don't know why I meant Mike, by that. No, Michael Shannon is my Captain America. Okay, I, I was overplaying my, <laughs> my love for Captain. It's really Michael Shannon. <laughs> I will find real, him. I will find him. <laughs> yeah. So we watched this last night and this watch through i was really struck by just how good anna de armas is yes i think she is really great in this movie mm-hmm. and i'm not going to say she has to give the most dynamic performance but i think that she has a lot of heavy lifting to do yes. in that movie mm-hmm. and she really does a great job like they spread the wealth pretty well but i mean i'll say in a movie of like heavy hitters she has to kind of be the lead in some ways and i feel well, yeah, like that's definitely yeah. got to be a challenge to pull off especially with a room of like a plus list actors yeah mm-hmm. i feel like this movie is interesting because you have a lot of actors coming off other movies that are nothing like this you've got the chris evans coming off captain america and you've got daniel craig coming off like a yeah. james bond type mm-hmm. thing playing this detective with the southern draw and i feel like he steals every scene he's in i mean like yeah. he's my favorite part of this and i think his acting is just an inspiration and really helps guide the rest of the story even like trooper wagner yeah. as the fanboy mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. he was really funny yes i love him and uh stanfield together because I, I, yeah. I said this the other day like i feel like those parts would have been real easy to phone in yeah. like we're here for our checks but just like the little choices that they make the dynamic between the characters it's so fun there's like stuff in every corner of this movie to enjoy yeah, like Trooper Wagner would be the one who's like, oh, a Hamilton reference. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I feel like Stanfield, like he's he's like us. I feel like he's like the the everyman. He's the one with his yes. feet on the ground because everyone else is really ridiculous. And he's like, mm-hmm. that was the dumbest car chase of all time. Like he's yeah. he's the stand in for us. Right. I think that's a great point. There has to be someone who is kind of like middle C on the piano, keeping the balance grounded, mm-hmm. you know, and like to like a central point. Yeah. He's the one who's like, I, I mean, the guy practically lives in the clue board, right? Like he's, yeah. he's yeah. kind of poking that med- meta commentary, but he's, yeah, he's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I also love Frank Oz. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The movie for his little yeah. bit. Yeah. For his little mm-hmm. bit. And that just might be because I love Frank. But. And Christopher Plummer. I mean, for heaven's sakes, this is just jam packed with great he, acting. He doesn't need to be as good as he is in that movie. No. Like no. he could have, again, like I feel like most of these actors, the expectation would almost be like, they're not going to give a hundred percent, but man, everyone in this cast is here for this movie. Well, you could argue Ryan Johnson was uniquely suited to put a fresh face on the whodunit genre. Where do we see his influence shine through, and what are some of your favorite scenes? Ooh, favorite scene, opening shot of the dang movie. Mm-hmm. That music, Ugh. like, I, yes. Nathan <laughs> like, Johnson, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, it's almost like poking fun 
at whodunit music, but it is still whodunit music. You know what I mean? It's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's it's very, very good. I think that is actually the first thing that came to my mind also was Ryan Johnson. And this is the most magnificent part of this whole thing. He, t- he takes the blueprint of like a classic whodunit and mm-hmm. turns it right over on its head from the beginning of the movie. I just, I mm-hmm. think all of those things like the meta commentary by the detective, the music that's poking fun. And what's something that we do when we watch whodunits, we spend the whole movie trying to figure out, you know, who's who the murderer who, yeah, who, who done it. Yeah. Who done it. <laughs> and I think something fantastic that he does is show us the killer yeah. right away. And I think that really pulls the rug out from under the viewer. Yeah. If this were a game of clue, it's like, he it's <laughs> like, it's the nurse in the attic with the morphine. Yeah. We're done. All right. right. But we're going to keep playing for two more hours. Yeah. I'm basically mm-hmm. saying you don't know the game. You're not as smart as you think you are. And now you can enjoy yourself now that you're not trying to figure I'm, this movie out anymore. Yeah. I mean, that happened to me the first time I watched it. I was actually a little disappointed when they sure. gave that away right away. And I was like, Hmm, I don't know. So what else I was is going to happen? About, like, yeah, I was like, well, here's all the things I'm not going to get now in this whodunit. I'm not going to get the big 30 minute exposition dump because I love those at the end. I was like, now, like, what's the mystery even? Is there even a mystery to be had? Like, uh, but again, I was able to just kind of like kick back and be like, all right, like, let's see what, what the movie has. And like, by the way, like, I should just throw this out. I have loved Ryan Johnson for years. He's like ever since I saw Looper, he's been one of my like very favorite filmmakers. So Knives Out, you know, of course, like I went in with really big expectations and left a little disappointed. But the thing about Ryan Johnson movies is I don't think he makes movies that are going to be crowd pleasers the first watch. I think he makes movies that like you're going to go back and watch this again. And then the third time you're going to be like, oh, I I see the whole picture. Like he makes movies that you're going to go back and revisit and get more and get more and get more. Like when he made a looper, for instance, he said the fun of the movie isn't the time travel element. Yeah, it's a plot device and it's cool, but that's not what we're going to eat lunch on. And I think he does the same thing like. Yeah, there's a mystery in the movie, mm-hmm. but it's not the murder. It's who hired, you know, Benoit Blanc. Mm-hmm. And I think we still get, like you're saying, we still get all of our favorite things. We yeah. still get the exposition dump. And it's you awesome. Know, we still get a mystery. We still mm-hmm. get the subterfuge and the cleverness. But I think it's just enough different to where we are off balance the whole time as a viewer. Is it a whodunit if there's not like a wall that you can like pop out of uh, like a spooky house <laughs> or right. a bookcase or a secret window. We got yeah. It. Yeah. He still yeah. gave it to us. Thank you. He did. Favorite scenes in the movie though. I love, love, love the car chase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love the car I chase. I think it's hilarious. I, I mean, I love the 30 minute, like, here's what happened at the end. I, I'm a sucker for those. And oh man. It. When That's- he says you're a good nurse, that I, I didn't think I was going to cry, yeah. but yeah, it I hits, cried. It hits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that initial interrogation scene where we're meeting all the players yeah, and, so. and you have Benoit Blanc in the back, you know, just with the, the single note on the piano when he detects a lie. Mm-hmm. I think there are so many great things about that scene in particular. For one, we're discovering all the different personalities. I think that's huge. I love the scene where we discover that Marta gets the money. Um, mm-hmm. obviously like it's really fun <laughs> to yep. see everyone freak out but when some of the shots in that scene are really really great like when uh, it follows her running out of the house it goes from a dolly zoom to it switches seamlessly to like 
handheld. They give this look. It's just shot really, really well. The mm-hmm. score gets crazy. It's like Steve Yedlin. Yeah, it's 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 a masterfully shot scene. So there's a lot. It's not even like it's not even just scenes, but like you know. The set design. That house looks incredible. The yeah. costume design. We were commenting a lot about incredible. the costumes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it's just everything about this movie works. Even I, I like I did a little digging and the the it's shot digitally, but the DP went to like these insane measures to make it look like film. So I learned a whole bunch of new terms on the internet last night, like gate weave to make it look jittery and the grain and the halation, which is light bleeding, like insane stuff to make this look like an old timey movie, which is really Mm -hmm. cool. I think it is. Yeah. That's the love this was made with. Yeah. It's cool to see a movie from a filmmaker who like really cares about like all of that little little stuff like if you just watch ryan johnson talk about the breakdowns of scenes he's like i want there to be like a triangle in every shot so that you have like kind of three points of reference to look at or he even says in one scene i want the set to look so good so that if you get bored during the movie you can at least admire the set yeah well the blocking in the interrogation scene that you're mentioning brandon is mm-hmm. really i noticed last night when we were watching there's always something interesting to look at uh either mm-hmm. blanc is forward or Lakeith is forward or a trooper is forward. Like there's always, like you said, like a triangle. There's always something engaging visually. The dude is mm-hmm. really good at making movies, essentially. He is. Yes, he is. Yeah. I mean, I've loved almost all of his films. And, you know, that's saying a lot for a director who has like, I think, five or six movies out. Yeah. Like Brothers the only Bloom, one that Zach doesn't like, like is uh, is The Last Jedi. He won't talk about how he hates The Last Jedi. <laughs> the the only like, one I don't like is The Brothers Bloom. And I think that was after Brick and he was trying to find his voice a little bit as a filmmaker. But y'all, if you haven't seen Brick and you like this movie, check out Brick. It's very good. Yeah, if only that Last Jedi movie, you know, if Zach would just get over his objections Man. to it, then we... You like Zach. it more than I do, so you're, you're, not, a real, you're not a real Star Wars you, fan. It's yeah. your favorite Star Wars movie, so... I mean, it might be, yeah. Just to be. comment on the blocking one more time, I love the his arrangement of the cast in the group shots. Oh, I think that's yes. one thing that really stood out was how well everyone was placed when the the camera would scan on the group and there was a couple like walk and talk type scenes at his birthday party. Oh, I believe. Yeah, West Wing. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and I think they, they utilized that really well. But there was the one scene in particular when Marta was going to confess. And yeah. it, the camera's on her and uh, Benoit Blanc and then it scans around and the whole family is just like set up perfectly around the couch. Yeah. And I don't know, it really grabbed me. I thought it was fantastic placement of the cast. One of the things I really like about the way the movie is shot to, or not the way it's shot, but the way it's framed is a typical detective movie. It's like first act is like everyone's together in the house. They go to a, a nice house for the weekend. Someone gets murdered and then they figure out who did it, right? Like it's one, mm-hmm. two, three. And the non-linear storytelling we get in this uh, allows us to play with like memory a little bit and unreliable narrators a little bit. Mm -hmm. So like we get these flashbacks from whoever is being interrogated and who's speaking 
And one of some of the great details are like, uh, like for example, Don Johnson recalls like calling over Marta to be like, "Hey, talk talk about your experience as an American." And and his memory of the event, she loves it, and she's like smiling, and she's like chipping in. And then when yeah. someone else retells it, she's like super uncomfortable and yeah. does not want to be doing it. Like little little touches like that are really really smart. I I, I just it, it's a great movie. It's a good yeah. movie. Y'all. <laughs> Well, I think we all can agree whodunits are fascinating when done right. Why did we fall out of love with these stories as a culture? And was Knives Out enough to revitalize the genre? Whodunits are kind of a magic trick, whereas when you know the steps, you're kind of guessing at like, oh, I think they're doing that because, mm-hmm. you know, there's probably this device or that device or that device. Like, I think the the big thing in a lot of whodunits is you go and like, okay, one... <laughs> One of these people did it, so it almost gets to a point where you don't really watch the movie, and you kind of go, okay, well, this person's creepy, but I'm a smart film watcher, so I'm going to look at this person who's done nothing in the movie so far. Are they not a character? Okay, let me look over at this, and you kind of miss a lot of it, and again, like Knives Out throws that out right away, but I think back to, um, you know, I saw a murder on the the Orient Express, and I was having like a pretty good time with the movie. And once we got into the mystery, I was having less fun because I didn't really care about the characters. And then, you know, I didn't like the reveal at the end, which I know that that's from the book, but it's I just didn't care for the ending. And same thing with Hateful Eight, where the big plot twist is, you know, everyone's the killer. I was like, oh, that's for me. That's not as fun. So I think that and it's funny because Knives Out does kind of, you know, break the rules. But I think that for lack of a better term, the desire to break the rules to freshen up the the structure is kind of why we've been less interested in the genre. Yeah. I think something for me is detective stories can feel a little bit silly in a modern context because it's like, it's about a superhuman intellect usually, right? Let's, it's like this insane detective who like notices things that no person would notice mm-hmm. right like sherlock comes to mind it's like mm-hmm. oh i see the breadcrumbs underneath your belt which obviously means you're from the south of france and i'm like what are we doing <laughs> what is this nonsense oh, i, I love, love it. it i love it i eat it up with a spoon but it's it's silly yeah. one of the things i love about knives out is like uh, Blanc is not that like he misses a lot. Like mm-hmm. he, he doesn't notice, think, think about the footsteps yep. in the mud until someone mentions the mud. He's like, Oh shoot. Wait a second. footsteps. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, but that's like, he's smart. He pieces everything together and he's really obviously intelligent, but he's intelligent in a real world way. You know what I mean? Yes. That's what I like. Like, it's not like the Joker, like 50 steps ahead and like, Oh, first he'll do this. And then that it's a, person this is a person so i I just think like commonly with a detective story it's like you've got to have this freaking genius and then you've got to have a moriarty who's also a genius and they're gonna duke it out and i'm like right i don't i don't know i just don't care especially to in a modern context it's a little bit like the the whole thing with like uh, horror movies in a world with cell phones is tricky, mm-hmm. right? And there's there's always like some reason that the cell phone has to get taken out of the equation. It's similar to me with like the amount of information and surveillance and just like DNA and forensic science that we have at our fingertips. There's usually like a suspension of disbelief for me when it's like, you know what 
is going to crack open this bit of hidden information a white guy in a trench coat. Thank God. You know, like, it's just like, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I will say though, I do love at the end when uh, Marta says, when did you know I was involved in the murder? And he yes. says, when I saw, when I saw the blood on your shoes. Yeah. Because I did talk to someone and they were like, um, oh, isn't it a little weird that I was like, that he would notice blood on white shoes. Like, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like, it's <laughs> plus I was rewatching yeah. it earlier and they take great lengths. He looks down at her shoes for a yeah. few seconds. Like it, yeah. They they take those, they earn the moments. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think one thing for me, and Zach, you brought up Murder on the Orient Express, which is a you know, a pretty famous Agatha Christie story. This movie very and much a pretty feels, snoozy movie. The, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> but this this knives out very much feels like an Agatha Christ, Christie-esque movie. And I think, you know, in her her stories have become very popular on television. And yeah. I think kind of my theory here is that television kind of took over the whodunit and i you think mean angela lansbury took not, over the whodunit. Sure, <laughs> but, but not just angela lansbury i mean look across some of the more popular shows you know the whodunit is a very popular blueprint for a television mm-hmm. like the procedural detectives and the cop shows yeah. and the lawyer yeah, yeah, shows yeah. very popular mm-hmm. whodunit think of it, even something like house that is a whodunit he's there's a disease that he doesn't know what it is and by the end he, you know spoiler you know, it was lupus the whole time it's, yes it's, it's, yeah but i think my thing is though television did what television does they take something and they run it into the ground i think audiences excuse you i love television i love excuse you i love television but if they find a winning template they will continue to do it over it take a take a show like yeah movies don't do that but like but like seriously though television has the opportunity for like a quicker payoff with a whodunit i think audiences are, are drawn to like Oh, yeah. I can find out who did this in 45 minutes, you know, and then yeah, I get yeah, you know yeah. the next week I get another mystery. So I feel like there are some appealing things to this, but yeah. it's just when you do it over and over and over, I think cinema kind of lost a taste for it. That's my two cents. That's my theory. No, I, I like it. Actually, I think you might be right. We're on season like what? 80 of CSI. My my mom is like obsessed NCIS with cr- also. criminal minds, and I'm like, how many weeks can we like? Yeah. First of all, how many murderers are in the world? <laughs> this show's been on the air for like, but I mean, a that's a great years. that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, all weird. of these shows they are long running, they're wildly yeah. popular. They're, they're you know, insane. It's not just like <laughs> a boyfriend, like killing a girlfriend, which is what real life looks like. And I hate yeah. it and it sucks. But like, it's always like, I'm a blood cult leader in rural <laughs> Mississippi, <laughs> but I work uh, at Samsung. It's just uh, like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. And somehow Knives Out is able to feel today and 40 years old at the same time. Yeah, sure. I think, I think though what Ryan Johnson does here, as I mentioned in the last block, he just takes a fresh approach. He he turns the template up, you know, turns it over on its head and just takes a fresh approach. Let's, let's look at this thing from another angle. Let's, let's reveal the killer early on and let's, Mm -hmm. let's create a different type of mystery. You know, let's keep the audience guessing. Let's, I don't know. I just think there are some fresh things here, fresh takes that really makes this work. I mean, this, this is a great movie. It's, it's truly a great movie. And I Mm -hmm. think I, instant classic, instant classic. I want more of this. I want so much. I want so much more of this. Well, you're getting more. He's making a sequel. Oh, thank, thank goodness. I mean, 
this to me is like a good first step to getting the the whodunit genre back on its feet. It's interesting to me that this is a dude who the world filleted oh, yeah. for subverting expectations. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he does the same thing in this next movie. I'm I like, mean, oh, we love you, bud. But it, thanks, man. But I, I, and again, I don't want to sound like a like I'm trying to see everyone's side of the coin here. But uh, uh, I think the brave the thing devil's with, advocate. Here we go. <laughs> no, I'm well, I mean, I think I think the thing with Last Jedi is he's doing that, but he's playing with your toys, and and this yes, is like that's you know, exactly what yeah. I was. Yeah, it's, it's people being care. precious about like don't yeah. mess with my things. <laughs> and unless you're Angela Lansbury, who gives a crap about the who done it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, this is like Grandpa's ball glove that was up in the attic in a chest yeah. and he like got it out and dusted it off and starts playing yeah. with it again you're like okay that's fine and, and said this could use a little oil and then you're like oh my gosh this is the this great dad. this is the greatest thing ever <laughs> i have to oil up my toy <laughs> yeah Good. then we're gonna ru- wrap it in rubber bands <laughs> this is how people used to have fun back in the day kiddo oh my <laughs> oh boy <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway i just think you know you take something like star wars if you're a good director stay away from star wars people are going to hate you by the end of it yeah. i just i just think it's not it's not worth it there it yeah. is not get it fired is, it's yeah. just not worth it why would you ever do star wars if you like want a career you know it's just way too risky you know mm. i think the thing with this ryan johnson who done it it's just like yeah, we haven't seen any of this and, and forever. Who cares? And it's and you're you don't expect it to be as good as it is, and it's just it just runs off the page. Yeah, mm-hmm. like right again, like I'm such a big fan of his, and every time I see one of his movies, I'm always impressed. Like, you know, there's a there's a lot of filmmakers who I love, but like when I go see like a Wes Anderson movie, I, I'm always kind of like, Yeah, I got what I was expecting, or like if I see a Tarantino movie, like, yeah, I got what I was expecting. And Blood. then when I'm like with Ryan Johnson, every time it just like blows my hair back. <laughs> So, fellas, any final thoughts on Knives Out? Ryan Johnson was able to give me a movie that really surprised me that, like I said, the first time I left a little bit disappointed, but every time I've rewatched it, it gets better and better yep. on every rewatch. It's a whodunit that I want to watch again, mm-hmm. which, you know, most of the time, the fun of these movies is figuring out who did it. And once you find out who did it, yeah, maybe you get one more watch where you kind of go, oh, I see it now. This movie came out like last year. And I've seen it maybe five times because it is that good. It's just one I want to keep revisiting and I want to watch over and over again. And I mean, it's a perfect example of everything coming together. Like we've been saying, the score, the cast, the cinematography, the editing, the soundtrack, like everything in this movie, it fires on all cylinders and it's such... A, a delight to watch, which sounds weird for uh, a murder mystery, but it's it's so rich. There's moments that make you laugh. There's moments that make you cry. There's moments that make you like sit on the edge of your seat. It's like it's almost a perfect movie, and I, I mean I can't wait to see what Mr. Johnson does next. I don't really think I have any closing thoughts other than to say Ryan Johnson is really good at telling stories. Yeah, like this could have been a movie from like. Blanc's point of view. You know what I mean? What like it could have been like 
you know, here's the master detective coming in. I've seen that movie a million times. We mm-hmm. got a movie from the perspective of the killer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I somehow was rooting for her. Yeah. Yeah. Good good job, man. Plus, really, really good sweaters. A plus. Mm. I, I really recommend this movie. Go watch it. Yeah, I think the only the like the last thing that I would have to say about this, I feel like I, I incorporate a lot of my thoughts in you know, the last few segments, but this is a movie that fires on all cylinders for me. I mean, interesting story, captivating characters, like you guys were saying, the sets, the costumes, the everything was just was perfect. And I think the, the whodunit, the, that genre for me is is definitely something that is in my favorite style of stories. And this to me really is the whodunit for the modern age. It it takes a classic premise, it takes a you know classic murder mystery, and it just and just freshens the whole thing up and makes it something the audience isn't expecting. And I think it's it's a great ride. It's it's fantastic. It'll keep you guessing the whole time and it's rewatchable. I think that is the capstone of this movie is it's, re- it's rewatchable. It's it's so good. You want to rewatch it again and again and again and do it right now. Please go do it. Why are you chuckling at me, Mitchell? Because my notes are never good thoughts like yours. My my notes for him were just <laughs> regurgitative reaction to Miss Truthin. And oh. she was parking in the double pavement. <laughs> I tell you what, though. Yeah, he's, I'm, he's got my I'm favorite gonna, parts. I am always going to use the word Miss Truthin, though, from here on out. That yes, is a, mm, I know. That is a great way to call someone a liar. Are you still listening? Good. You're a good fan. And because you're a good fan, I know that you'll leave us a five-star rating and review. If you haven't checked us out on social media, we can be found at The Real Boys. And if you like this show, check out our other shows, Godfellas and Fantasmic. Well, we will be back real soon to talk about the greatest superhero trilogy ever, Spider-Man, with Tobey Maguire. Yep, I said it. Come back next time to hear us say more.